Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special episode of Electric Underground Podcast. Joining me are Kyar and Refki. Hi, my name is Refki. I mainly play Gradius 3, but I was also um, helping Kyar out for the English translation. So uh, here's Kyar. Uh, Hello, I'm Kyar. He's glad to be here, um, and there's going to be a, a lot of questions, and then he's going to be answering all these questions as much as he can. Absolutely. So, let's get started. So the first question that I have is I want to know a little bit more about the Korean shmup scene, because I think it's super cool that you guys are jumping on the show and that you guys participate in Western events, and so I want to learn more about what is the shmup scene like in Korea? 그리고 이제 이게 한 번에 좀 길게 말하면 아무래도 네. 또 이제 통역하시기에도 어려울 수도 있으니까. In terms of our Korean shmup scenes, basically, as you know, it is very niche genre, and then it's pretty much the same here, and we only really have like very small amount of player. So, 10 years ago, there was like 30 or 40-ish players back then, because Arcade Game Center was still kind of a thing, but as of right now, we only have like 20 people at best. Wow. And like I said, uh, in the before the interview, um, there's only like one Arcade Game Center has left too, so if that place is actually closed up, then there's no more hope for our <laughs> communities. What's really cool about the Korean players I've noticed, like yourself and Kaya, is that you guys seem to be taking part in the Western events like Kayar had his run at GDQ. And so I was wondering, based on just uh, what you know from the other players, is that an interest that you guys have of taking part in the Western events? Or do you guys have a little bit more interest in maybe the Japanese side of things? Or how exactly do you guys feel about that? Uh, in terms of uh, events in general, like we don't really get too much like notification for the events themselves but uh rather uh one of our our friends in the overseas players like maybe some of the japanese players some of the um, western players like they they contact us and then say hey uh why not just play the game on a if this event setting and we were like cool let's uh we'll check it out and then participate the events so, I think from what I know, like, Kayar actually participated on the GDQ by one of the, his Western Shmup players helped told him to do, so he kind of checked out and then just participated on it. And then same thing with the other um, events, some of the Korean Shmup events and then some of the Japanese events, uh, his friends pretty, pretty much told him to do, so <laughs> that's what it is. Oh, that's cool. So it's direct contact to the player in order to uh, let you know about the events. I'll keep that in mind for the next Shmup Slam. <laughs> yep, Send him yep, a message. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. Speaking of your AGDQ run, this is a question that I have had burning ever since then, and I'm sure this is the most important question of this interview, which is, what type of arcade stick are you playing on? Because the resolution in the video is really hard to tell. Are you playing on a Japanese stick or are you playing on a Korean stick? And if so, what, why do you prefer one over the other? 그래서 이제 그 전반적으로 주로 쓰시는 스틱이 어떤 거고 이제 한국 스티커, 일본 스틱을 
So Kayarsa, he mainly used the Seimitsu LS32. Now this is a little bit tricky. Um, he's not just using a like very um regular Seimitsu LS32. It's actually like very modded version of the uh, stick. Basically, whenever he visited Japan, uh, he actually got got it uh, got the uh, very special modded Seimitsu LS32 as a gift. So the major difference between the um same, the regular same to LS32 and then the modded one is that he said he felt very light with it. Like usually he felt um much heavier uh, if he used the uh, just the regular same to LS32. And as for the um Korean stick, that's something that I'm probably just gonna ask. Just give me a moment. Okay, so in terms of um, comparing between the um, Korean arcade stick and the um, uh, he felt that the Korean he still felt a lot larger, so you have to put a lot more effort to maneuvering around. And at the same time, when um, diagonal movement, he said he felt a lot more precise with the diagonal movement with the same as the LS32. Right, because the gate it sounds like on the square gate. Awesome. Yeah, that's also something that I noticed as well. So in t if you're using a Korean stick, like you have to actually use your strength a lot. Right. <laughs> that's that's also my preference too. I use LS32 better just because um it feels just lighter. That I think Kaya feels the same in that regard. So yeah. Right. So when I play on Korean stick, what I end up doing is I end up modding it to use a much lighter. It's funny I do the same sort of thing, but with Korean stick where I mod it to be shorter, so you have to you don't have to press as far. And then I mod it to be lighter, so it don't have to press as hard. So it probably mm. feels much more like the LS32 after my modifications than the standard Korean stick where their resistance is so heavy, you gotta drive it like it's missing power steering or something. So a little bit of a background on yourself as a player, uh, Kayar. How did you get into shmups? What games were you mostly interested in before you started on shmups? And what was your first 1cc and how long did it take? 12년 전, 그러니까 헬스로 따졌을 때 이제 12년 전에 그 리듬 게임을 이제 좀 시작을 했었고요. In terms of Kayar's history, before he played Shmup, I think that was like 12 years ago. He actually mainly played rhythm games, and the game that he mainly played was the um, 2DX. Not not like actual 2DX, but the more emulated version of 2DX, Beatmania 2DX. Yeah, he played it for um like three years and then after that uh he got like recommended by the his friends that um why not just play some shmups and then he actually started with the toho imperishable night and then he started he started with the uh, imperishable night and then he played all the way up to ufo i think was that was like under i, I don't remember what the what it stands for <laughs> Undefined fantastical uh, object, something yes. like that. So yeah, okay, so he played all the way up to UFO, and then he played UFO for like 5 years, and then he he did the scoring and stuff, and then after that, he, he achieved all of it. He he achieved the um all the score that he ever wanted it, and then since there's nothing else to do, so he actually got interested in getting into A games, and then... A game he actually played was the original Doronpachi, and then he played the Dai Daiojo later on. So in terms of the very 
first Jumabdehi got the onecc was the uh, Toho Imperishable Knight with the normal difficulty, and then it took like one week for him to actually do the onecc. Um, so what was his journey like from getting that one CC to getting his first really big score in a shmup? 가장 첫 번째로 의미 있게 생각하는 점수 기록은 어떻게 되는지. He played a game with the, his fellow back in like several years ago, and then, well, as of right now, we don't really have much of a competition around players. Rather, it's much more become like competing against ourselves because there's not that much players to left to begin with. So. So he did play the uh, Toho UFO, legitimately competing score around his friends, and then he actually made up to 2.9 billion score in that game. So that's the uh, one moment that he felt very meaningful, important um, moment for him in terms of scoring. And then what eventually attracted Kaiar to SDOJ? How did he go from playing Soho to playing SUJ and what was his first impression of SUJ? Ah, uh, 일단은 이제 제가 최대한생의 흥미를 느끼게 된 계기는 그때 제가 한참 동방을 할 때. There was a time that uh, many Korean Smash Mouth players did play a lot of Toho, and then there's actually one of the like best Toho player in Korea. Uh, his name was Haro, and then he also played Cave Shmup uh, as well. Uh, he played Daira Ojo and then also played Ketui. And then apparently Kaya actually got to like watch his gameplay, and then he got really interested, and so he tried it out. And then he, he the first impression for him. Is that um he felt the game is really difficult, like really difficult. Yeah. But then another um part of him that says, oh, if I good at this game, that's gonna be really fun. That's that's what he actually thought about it. Uh, in terms of like how he felt about the game, um, he like he just generally liked the um very fast moving, so much bullet shooting at him, and then just the the feel of the dodging just makes it feel feel great, something like that. So I think it's the general um, bullet L shmup player feels like there's a lot lot of bullet feeling around the screen, and then the bullet just moving around really fast, and you're just moving around very crazy. It's just the the feel of the thrill. That's the um how he got really attracted by the Daidaiojo. And compared to the other games in the series, in the Dodonpachi series, like uh, the original Dodonpachi or DOJ, uh, what makes SDOJ stand out to him specifically? What is it about SDOJ that keeps him playing as opposed to playing something like uh, DFK? And Daring definitely wanted to know, is it the scoring, is it the bullet patterns, or is it the waifu? He said that um, the only actual cave shmup that he played for quite a while was that the um, original Doronpachi and then Daidaiojo. So that being said, he doesn't really know much about Daiojo and then the Daifukatsu like much at all. But in terms of like how he feel about each game is that the um, Daiojo and then Daifukatsu felt a lot honest in terms of bullet pattern, like the angles and then the 
directly aim shot. There's a lot of like a lot of directly aim shot, and then the the way of the bullet travel it goes pretty straight. So he thought that the this game felt a lot more honest. Uh, meanwhile, the side Iojo, there's like like a lot of twisted pattern into it. So one of the one of the pattern is that the um it's aim bullet, but it it, it goes very slightly off. His uh, ship, so it makes him harder to actually like dodge around the bullet. In terms of how long, uh, why he plays Zaidai Ojo for long is that because um, it's his personal tendency that the um, he can't really play like too many different games at a time. He just like to focus at a one game, and then once he got used to it, he he just wants to stick to it. So. It does happen that the um he plays Zaidai Ojo and then he pretty much got stick to it. Nice. Well, that's I think the recipe for getting really good at a game is sticking with it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like there's there's a lot of like gamers that he, they just want to like play many different games and some of them is just stick to just one thing. Speaking of sticking to uh, SDOJ, what does he think about the scoring system and especially the overflow glitch? Does he like SDOJ's scoring system as it is? Does he wish the overflow glitch wasn't there? How does he feel about that? He said he likes the overflow glitch. Uh, the reason that he likes likes it is because the um, even if they, they get rid of the um overflow glitch, the general strategy for uh, scoring in SDOJ isn't gonna be changed much at all. And then, what's the even issue is that the um it, in a stage five it gets even more RNG heavy without the um overflow glitch. And also at the same time, he just liked the um feel of the cinematic deal when, uh, whenever he pull off the um the overflow glitch. Right. So that being said, he, he likes it and he doesn't want that to be get get rid of it. <laughs> Now for the nitty-gritty questions, what motivated right. him to go for the world record in the first place? Was he focused on going for the world record, or is this something that just naturally happened after playing the game for so long? And when he was mm. playing the game for score, how did he approach routing? How did he approach figuring out how he's going to get this massive score? This is... I was 이제 하다 보니까 이제 스코어링까지 하게 되고 그리고 제가 이제 he played the SDOJ four years back then and then he actually achieved the um uh, three trillion I, I believe I think that's the one of the his score he got um and then he felt like he he wanted to stop playing it at that point but then he did travel to the Japan and then he all happened to see um PKE's gameplay and PKE was aiming for the um four trillion points and then he did watch the um how PKE plays and then the the, the way that uh behavioral pattern for the uh, achieving the score between the three trillion and four trillions are just completely different and then he got pretty attracted by it so he just felt like uh well why not just play some more and then just just achieve as much point as possible and then he tried to go for the um best what, what he can and then he achieved it and in terms of the 
how he approached the game. He actually watched a lot of the PK's video, and then he actually kind of tried to like replicate his behavior pattern. And then, well, there's gonna be a lot of time that it's gonna be difficult to replicate someone else's replay. If that happens, like he just kind of changes it around, like see if it works or not, sort of type of thing. And yeah, that's how he approached with it. Uh, usual save and. Uh, load and then the stage select, try to replicate one of the best players' uh, behavior pattern, and then if things doesn't work out, then change it up. Then you might be finding something even more valuable. And speaking of practicing, what does his practice schedule look like? How often does he play SDOJ, and what would he say is what are the factors that have really helped him increase his skills as a player? 제가 이제 또 일을 하고 이제 또 퇴근을 해서 so he learned every like fundamental uh, in a Toho game uh, in terms of dodging and scoring and then shooting an enemy. The problem is though um, is that when he actually started playing SDOJ or every uh, arcade games, uh, he was having a too much hard time with the maneuvering shift with the stick. So he was pretty much studying the way to grip the arcade lever and then he eventually finds out the um, best way that he can actually maneuver the ship so that's the point where he got very better at the game and ultimately yes uh, the total experience basically just carried over him to playing SDOJ really well so yeah these two factors are best factor that um improve his uh, shimup skill in general in terms of his uh, um, practice schedule uh, you know during the weekdays he does the um usual uh, employee work and then uh, go go back home and then he got he got some his free time during the weekdays so he play SDOJ in weekdays for two to three hours during the weekend actually this is depending on his mood like if he does feel really great then he's gonna play the SDOJ like pretty much all day uh <laughs> if he actually feels great if he doesn't feel great then um he's not gonna just play it at all or just do completely something else yeah it's all depending on his, his condition in terms of um the factors for getting his uh gameplay skill got uh improved is that the um so as we mentioned before uh he started playing shmup as a like toho player so one big thing Kayar had a problem with was like control scheme because Toho was pretty much a, like essentially a keyboard game while the Cave Shima had been mostly using stick. And when he's playing and grinding for really high scores, especially like you said, where he's playing all day, some days if he's feeling good, how does he deal with situations where he'll he'll run into reset syndrome where he'll keep mm. dying early or he'll keep dying on the same part over and over and over? Does he have any strategies for uh, overcoming reset syndrome or when he's feeling burned out on the game? Ah, good question. Okay. 이거는 뭐 저도 뭐 특별한 방법은 없지만 그러니까 한 가지 확실한 거는 이제 이게 안 된다고 해서 그러니까 계속 이제 In terms of like dealing with the um reset syndrome Unfortunately he says there's really no true like strategy for the thing 
but there is like um some other ways to somewhat like lessen the stress around the reset zone. He doesn't always play for the high score. Like he doesn't always play uh aiming for the high score all the time because that's pretty much gonna cause him to the burnout. So uh, what you wanna do is that trying to like think of it like what's your mod today, like what's your condition today. Then the um. If you're feeling like to play just a, just a full run without resetting, like just do it. And then other times, if you're feeling like you, if you can focus and then just do some like high score grinding, then just do some resetting and then <laughs> aim for the high score. So he basically distributes the time for which uh, which day to um, just do the regular full run and. Uh, one with the like aiming for a high score, so he's gonna like reset a lot of time in, on the other day. So just think about your condition before playing it, and then if you don't feel like going for too much high score, then just just do a just regular run. And if you're feeling like, oh yeah, I'm feeling so energized, and then then go for it. That's how he do it, distributing time for how he gonna do the run in general. Advice for players who feel like they're trying to get a high score in a game, like Donopachi maybe, but they feel sort mm -hmm. of stuck at their current skill level where they're attacking it, but they don't seem to be making a lot of progress. Uh, what would he? What would his advice be for those types of players? Yeah, so it seems like this is like the probably the toughest, quite toughest question of uh, <laughs> your interview so far. Okay, so so he does say um, to his friends that uh, maybe take a break and then just experience something different for a while, just to freshen up some mind. Um, but at the same time, um, you just have to keep in mind that the um, if you're going for the high score. The game is not really becoming a game anymore. Um, so, I mean, in if you think about video games, um, you think about enjoying a game, right? Mm -hmm. But um, if you're aiming for a high score, it pretty much becomes like a more of a work. So before you're actually even starting to aiming for high score, you have to sort of um, like keep in mind that it's just not going to be fun at all. <laughs> So that's what he said about it. So if you're actually going for the uh, high score, just you have to just uh, know what you're gonna uh, what's gonna happen. And while doing the high score, and if you got burned out or something like that, then make sure to take a break and then just try something else. Maybe um reading a book, play other games. That that's the only thing he can say. There's there's really no other way. Um, like no no legitimate like strategy to like getting better sort of thing yeah so, kind of unfortunate like gotta keep grinding keep keep at it well another this is kind of a, a different side of questions but something i definitely mm -hmm. wanted to get his expertise on is what does he think about the different versions of sdoj and how they perform so what does he think about the 360 port i don't know if he has or has ever played the original pcb or the new exa version but how would he compare them to each other, especially when it comes to input lag, because the 360 port is very laggy? And I don't know if he's ever tried the X support. Does the X support feel more like the arcade version with the input lag? How does just the overall accuracy and feel of all the different versions of SDOJ? What does he think about that? 
우선은 그 해상도 영상은 저도 이제 확인했었고요. 예. 저도 이제 원래는 그 영상을 보기 전까지는 그 예. 이제 He owns the PCB, the Xbox 360 version as well. Uh, unfortunately, he doesn't have the um, XR version. I don't think he has the um, uh, experience with the XR version at all. So oh, okay. there's not, yeah, there's not that much to, anything he can much say about the comparison between the XR version and the PCB and X, uh, Xbox. But um, in terms of comparing between PCB and Xbox, uh, there's a lot of difference there. There's a uh, moment there's a be a like slowdown in the SDOJ in general, but every slowdown section is pretty much deeper by the um regions of the game. So, oh wow. Uh, for example, PCB for PCB, uh, stage five bosses like something like Koryu and Hibachi. Uh, there's a there's actually some slowdown going on during this stage, but for Xbox 360 version, however. There's no like slow, slow down at all during the um stage five bosses. So in terms of just the stage five in general, PCB version might be easier for him to play. But rest of every section, like the slowdown doesn't really occur that often during uh, on the PCB version. So in general, PCB version is much harder. And then in terms of scoring aspect, due to the input lag for the Xbox version. So he felt that the um the PCB version is much more comfortable for him to play. Yeah, that's the general differences. Like I said, he doesn't really have experience with the EXA version much at all, so he can't really say much about it, unfortunately. Does he still practice on the Xbox 360 version with the stage uh, select and boss yes, select and all that? Yes, he, he, yes, he does. He still uh, play the Xbox 360 version time to time. I mean, like, depending on, like, what kind of gameplay mode you want to go for but then mainly he goes for um pcb actually let me actually ask this actually um just give me a sec he basically plays play the um pcb version and the xbox 360 back and forth the main reason why he still plays the xbox 360 version is that um there's a stage select that he can practice and then he can save the replay video and then i heard there's a like some other features for xbox 360 version that the um during playing the replay video, you can actually play some of the part instead of just the, fully just the watching it. Like, oh, that's can you actually cool. confirm it? That's in the PS2 uh, port, I know that. If you do that in the PS2 port of DOJ, they have a, mm -hmm. you can take control of the replays, which is really cool. Ah, okay, yeah. So that's actually one of the very important aspects for him in terms of practice. You can just like watch the video and pause and then just start playing the section that he wanted to play. That's the biggest factor. 360 port, uh, arcade version, PCB, all of them is pretty much important to him. When he go going for full run, PCB, just the practice stages and stuff, then 360 version. Does he know? I made a video about this a while ago. Oh, actually, that asked that. That actually asked that. Yes. He said he know he knows it. He watched the video and he did felt the difference between the uh, having a low resolution and high resolution uh he definitely felt uh noticed the differences that's isn't that crazy did that help was that it, helpful at him at all when he was practicing uh, to know that definitely he said that uh he said the uh, it was very helpful but because of the um, um the input lag and then the the slowdown is actually kind of it gets different so yeah yeah it, it becomes more of a closer to the arcade but that also means it's gonna get a lot more difficult game because 
no slowdown means faster bullet, faster yeah. bullet, hard to dodge. <laughs> right. So speaking so, yeah. of stage select and practice mode, what are his mm -hmm. thoughts on Ib Ibachi? Does he think this boss will be beaten anytime soon in a run? How does he feel about Ibachi? Because this is really interesting mm -hmm. to me. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, Ibachi clear. Yeah. So first impression for the Imbachi when, when he actually saw like people playing a uh, fight against Imbachi, he legitimately think that the game is pretty much impossible, completely impossible. Like there's no absolute way to defeat Imbachi. Over the time, there was still like a lot, a lot of Japanese players still grinding against the uh, Imbachi. Like there's actually one player named um. Uh, called Tadeu, uh, I, I believe. Uh, I also saw the, his uh, video as well. He was actually practicing against Imbachi. It was really close. Like, it wasn't like legitimately like defeating um, Imbachi in a run, but it was really close enough that um, it actually kind of changed his mind a little bit. Like, it is possible. It kind of become more like a little bit possible way, but still, it's not very practical. Because um, you have to pretty much no miss no bomb the entire game with collecting every bees and all that scoring, and then top of that you you have to basically you have to like defeat Imbachi at the end. So it's not impossible anymore, but still very not practical. So it's gonna get take a lot of time, I guess. That being said, uh, he's. Pretty much believe that it kind of become a little bit more possible, but they're not very practical. So it's gonna take a lot of time for anyone to beat Imbachi in a run. Not even like 10 or 20 years. It, it could probably mean um 100 years. Wow. <laughs> Who knows, really? <laughs> and what does he think about the scoring categories in SDOJ? Because, for instance, if someone ever beat Imbachi, I'm pretty sure that would be a world record in the Imbachi clear category and all that. So what does he mm -hmm. think about the various scoring categories in SDOJ and does he have any desire to get a world record in another scoring category? He's still working on the B expert type. Currently, he has you know, 4.7 trillion, but um, he still wants to uh, improve more score. So, in terms of B expert, he also wants to aim for the um, not, not like defeating Imbachi, but actually like go against Imbachi with successfully doing all the overflow glitches and no miss no bomb, all that good stuff. He wants to do that as well. So in terms of other category, like there's not that much category that he's currently that interested, but he is very interested with D-type expert because um he can kind of like transfer his B-expert skill into um, C-expert. So maybe later he will probably try out C-expert uh, in a in a sometimes in the future. Not now, but future. And besides cave games, what are his other favorite shmups? Or does he have any interest in going for a world record in any other shmup in the future? It's pretty obvious that um he still likes Toho games, so he can still play Toho sometimes, and then 
There's actually one specific Japanese indie game he wanted to play. It was called uh, Suguri or Sora. I don't know if you're actually familiar with the game, but he's not really truly aiming for any games, but um, he wants to enjoy other games. Pretty much Toho and then the Suguri and Sora. These games uh, he wants to play. And if he could change one thing about SDOJ, what would he change? 그거는 사실 저 같은 경우에는 yeah. 아, 지금까지의 제 그런 슈팅 게이머로서 He doesn't regret anything. He doesn't want anything to change with the Saida Ojo. He just very very happy with it. He just like the game and then the t in terms of achieving his score, his journey, everything what he did so far, he's very happy with it. There's nothing that he wanted to change. The only thing he kind of little bit regretting maybe, um, that's probably like he spent way too much time on SDOJ, so sometimes it can be be a little problem in terms of like real life situation stuff, maybe like get to work sort of thing. So right. Other than that. He's completely happy with everything what he experienced with the SDOJ. Well, what would he say is the greatest strength of the game then? What makes SD... What is the best feature of SDOJ as a game, as a shmup? The bullet pattern difficulty is really, really high, but that also means... um. Dodging the bullet is the most fun part of the game. Like, it's probably the um most like fun bullet dodging game he ever probably played. At the same time, he actually, if he got really very like, improve his uh, dodging skill and team up in general. So whenever he actually playing the other game, maybe like Hetsui, the DFK, or DOJ Black Label, or Doronpachi, um, he can actually like just intu intuitively um, dodging bullets really well. So like he, he like dodging a bullet in games in general because it just it just feels great, right? Absolutely. So yeah, that's the biggest strength. And so, Ed, does he have any other subjects or things about SDJ he wants to discuss before the end of the interview, or anything on his mind? 제가 이제 뭐 최대 양생이나 그런 게임 하면서 하는 연습 방법에 대해서 좀 얘기를 한번 해볼게요 그러면. 네, 말씀해 주세요. 우선은 in terms of just the um stuff that he wanted to talk about is that um the how to practice game. Are you actually interested in terms of how he practiced the game? Yes, absolutely. Basically, take a look at the um, top-level players replay. The thing is, you can just start, like start replicating like how he do and sort of thing. But biggest thing that you have to keep in mind is that you also want to like understand why he made this decision, like why he does move it like that sort of thing. Maybe you know, he can't just like die in purpose and then. Some people just like, like lost their damn minds and then they'll be like, why did he die on this play sort of thing. So always take a, take, pay attention to what he does for, for a reason sort of thing. And then also keep on watching the um, the live event. Uh, he basically pay, plays it on live a lot of times, so check on his plays as well. <laughs> the reason because is that um, in a real life situation, there's gonna be a lot of fails. So much run fails, so much pattern fails. You can actually like see that. And then by watching the, instead of just the focusing on 
how to success at it. Um, avoiding the failure is probably much more little makes sense to many people, like, especially if you're learning something. Yeah, definitely check out uh, what kind of failure could you could be expecting when doing certain pattern in the game. So check out a lot of live plays and sort of thing. And then in terms of like analyzing replays, uh, he actually had to kind of like analyze the thing by frame by frame instead of just playing the video um, randomly and then just analyzing thing from the frame by frame and just uh, watching it and then which one is safe, which one is not safe sort of thing. And then in terms of getting his pattern out, this is part of probably his personal opinion. Uh, instead of just trying to like dodge the bullet by just seeing it, always understand the rule behind it. So, like, if you actually could move in this place, uh, this enemy behavior will do maybe like spamming a bullet pattern in a different way sort of thing. Uh, and then make sure to just uh, replicate that situation so many times, see if that's gonna be very safe. So you want, ultimately you want to like stabilize your pattern. Yeah, instead of just to trying to like see and dodge, try to understand the like, game, games as a like structure. It's not even just about the, just the scoring in general. Like, in terms of just the dodging game, you can probably like just thinking about the enemy placement and then the the building structure, everything. So just some people just tend to think that it just a like a lot of bullet hell games are just a simple react dodging. Um, well, the truth is a lot of it. There's not a lot of rule behind it and. Understanding all of it, it just it just makes things a lot stabilized and then much more comfortable. So yeah, that's how we practice the game in general. Yeah, that's great advice, especially the part about understanding the underlying behavior of the game. That goes a really mm -hmm. long way towards helping you improve at the genre. I definitely can agree there. Because there's just a lot of like misconception around the um, shmup community or just just the general people in general. They they just believe that um. It's all pretty much just react dodging, and then right. you, you probably see some recent videos about this Dragon Blaze of weaving around bullet and then... <laughs> right, yeah, Shalanchi style. Oh gosh. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think, is that all the question? Yeah, uh, the last bit is just uh, where can people find Kyar's runs and uh, tune into his progress with the game? Where should people be looking? So he, he played the game on uh, Twitch. I know it's, it's just difficult to tell his um whatever nickname it is. He doesn't go by Kayar or anything. Oh. Okay. Uh, do you want him to like share the links or something? Or yes. I mean, I'll, there's a and I'll put them on screen so people can see, and I'll put it in the video oh. description as well. Thanks so much, you two, for coming on the show and answering these questions. I think people are going to be really interested to learn more about you know what goes on behind the uh, the player as far as getting these amazing scores, and I really do appreciate it a lot. Thank you for your time, man. <laughs> I mean, we're actually just honored to just interview with you. And I think probably Claire feels the same about it. Yeah, thanks so much, Kyer. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> so thank you to the $5 patrons, 100-100-72-PCT Water, Ukshay Wadker, Dingo, Another Joe, Anthony A, Aaron Solis, Ben, Borgi22, Brian Reboot, Brian Shiver, Chris Yusufovich, Chronic Burnout 3, Corio, CRC Error, Danielle Savage, Darren Griffin, Delta Tango 6, Disco Star Slayer, DJ420, Praise It, Entropy, Eric H, FCK, Frank Carter, Full Set, Retro Schmupper, Geriatric Don Maku, Hausu, Ilya, Kiwi, JLab, 
JBRPG, Joe Angelo, John Kelly, Game Boy Guru, K, K2, Kikoman589, Larridge, Malaise, Mark Toms, Maz, Minung, Mechelin, Mitch LY, Queen Charlene, Nathaniel Davis, and Electron Neo Dagger Games, Oklo Googles, Philip Mason, Portal 6-3, Radocat, Raul, Real Skeen, Self Aware, Shane Shinsensky, Sketchy Raccoon, SLW, The Boot Rex, The Real Ikuzo, TRM, Sugumo, Twilight EX, Yishi, Plasmo, and Yuzukaya. Thanks for watching.